You're listening to episode 126 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Brought to you by Disney. Hey, I know it's not the news segment, but I uh, have a little bit of an exclusive scoop here for you and our listeners at home. All right. I, what flavor? I know. <laughs> what flavor, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> I know the first movie in Phase 4 for Marvel. Oh, good. I was going to ask. Bullshit. Uh, but hang, hang on. What flavor? Well, you'll find out when I give you the answer, actually. All right. Let me. All right. Let's hear it. Marvel is leading off phase four with a Goose the Cat movie. All right. Yeah. I'd say that's like that's like lime sherbet flavor. Like, I oh, like it, but I'm not jazzed about it. That. It's not lime sherbet? No, no it's lime, lime sherbet. Lime sherbet is good. A Goose the Cat movie would be hot garbage. You are wrong. <laughs> it would be like it would be like ramen noodle flavored ice cream that you pulled out of the trash can after three days. That that's, was a, wait wait that seems harsh. No 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 no. Kale, you pulled that too quickly. You've definitely eaten shit like that before. He's definitely eaten shit. So I mean, listen, I've been all over the world at this point. There are lots of flavors of ice cream. <laughs> So Kale's been poor for years, guys. You got to make ramen ice cream somehow, and trash ramen is the way to do it. We're ignoring the fact that Goose the Cat, up first, phase four, I'm ready for it. It's going to be great. He's going to be voiced by Danny DeVito. It's going to be terrific. He has a voice now? <laughs> That's right. All right, now you're losing me. Okay, Danny, hold on. Danny DeVito, though. Are you kidding me, Kale? So That's now, what gets you back in. We're 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 bordering on like the good flavors of ramen now. <laughs> oh <laughs> also garbage. What's most garbage about this is that um, we know that it's going to be Spider-Man: Far From Home, so this is completely stupid. That's not part of Phase Three. Uh, phase Three, as far as I know, ends with Infinity or Endgame. It's the last movie. That's why it's called Endgame, Phil. I think it's got I, end in the. I, I think it's the first movie. That hasn't been announced. Then I guess I was that that was the way the information was presented to me by my source. Oh, okay. Ike okay, Perlmutter. You're, you're, you're oh, <laughs> Ike Perlmutter misspoke. I, I don't, understand. I don't think Ike Perlmutter likes cats. Um, I think what's the the worst part about this whole thing is that it's just a bad bit. <laughs> well, that's true too. I don't Maybe. know. Marco's scoops thing, and then Sean just casually throwing out that Ike Perlmutter doesn't like cats. There's some comedy here. I like it. Maybe we <laughs> should. Uh, maybe we should stop letting Phil have the opening joke. Maybe it's just. I mean, time it's been it's bury that. It's been nearly a hundred what fifty episodes almost. 50? And we're still letting him. This is do episode one hundred and twenty six. <laughs> yeah, well, so we're like yeah, halfway there. Well, yeah, right, right there. Yeah, of course. Let's put it this way. We're closer to 150 than 100. We're closer to 130 than 150. Well, who cares? 130 is not a special number. My point is, why are we still letting Phil do this? Phil, I would gladly accept the torch. You know what? I'd come here every week for that. (laughs) I'll I'll give Marco like a month of opening bits and see what he comes up with. You know? I I won't. It's always... (laughs) (laughs) So... Today's show is going to be pretty big. Uh, we've got a lot the, happened. Yeah, a lot happened. Uh, C2E2 is actually happening. We're smack dab in the middle of it. Um, that's a big convention um, for comics, of course. And so there's news from there to talk about. And then 
obviously the uh, the Death Star of all news items. The Disney Fox merger is complete, and we're going to be talking a lot about that much later in the show. That is a good way to describe that merger. <laughs> well, you know, listen, a lot of people think the Death Star is really cool, but it also blew up Alderaan. So, you know, that's right. The the Terminator of mergers? No, no, I like Sean's better. Jeez, all right. <laughs> Terminator. <laughs> out of here. Uh, the but fuck I, out of here. The Terminator becomes a good guy, Kale. I didn't know you were a corporate apologist. Oh. I mean, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I, Why can't I just have the last word and we just leave it at that? Because there are five people on this podcast, and if we let one person have the last word, you got to give the other people the last word. Yeah, but I was the only person who said anything intelligent. Now... Uh, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us. Of course, we are on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, all other podcast hosting platforms. Make sure that while you are there, you drop us a like and a comment. You know, let us know what you're thinking about the show and the job that we are doing. Uh, you can catch us on all social media platforms at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you're checking this out on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure to leave us a like, comment, share this video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Um, do want to plug some stuff that we've got coming. Uh, we've got book clubs on the way. Um, Shazam. Shazam, yeah. Shazam. Drops Shazam. This, this week, Friday. No, we did Captain Marvel already. No. <laughs> oh my god. Sean, Sean, we're so close to the end of that bit. Finally. I, Kale brought a good bit to the show. It's not good. No! It's got go away heat now. It makes my head bleed every time that I hear it. I just hate it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a fun one. And um, we're actually we're actually going to be doing so for Avengers for Endgame. We're actually going to be reading Infinity by Jonathan Hickman, um, our biggest, burliest, beefiest book club yet. Sixteen issues. 16 I don't issues. think it's more than Aquaman. I think Aquaman was also sixteen. Well, I uh, I didn't. I wasn't on that one, so it doesn't count. Yeah. Uh, I also didn't read what we were supposed to for Aquaman, so I didn't. Uh, so this will this will be by Boom. far the most I've read. What? I think we're all going to show up for this one. Wait, so. wait, wait, wait. You didn't read what you were supposed to for Aquaman? Yeah, because there was a tie-in or something that I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, about. who cares about that? No, that that's. And I was yeah. like, and I was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> wait, you tell me we don't care about tie-ins because I read like twelve issues of Avengers comics no, yesterday no, that were tie-ins. No, that's a, it's a completely different. Thing. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about it. Um, we, we did choose Infinity. Uh, Infinity has a lot of characters in it, actually, that yes. were in Infinity War. Um, so if you want to check it out and read it with us, there are a lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar moments, uh, things that will be very reminiscent to you if you have seen Infinity War. And... Um, Jonathan Hickman's run definitely has had a lot of influence over uh, these these two movies. So I don't know how much influence it'll have over Endgame, but it was cool to go back and see all these characters, their origins, and stuff like that. Um, and Infinity Hills a very interesting place in my heart 
and my comics reading history. So I'm excited to disclose that and to talk to you guys about it. Now that's a teaser. Yeah, yeah. So go check it out. 16 issues, like I said, you can get the Infinity hardcover which comes with everything or you can get it piecemeal however you want to do it uh it's 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 a combination of the main story avengers issues x through x and new avengers issues x through x go check it out sean can i just get you to confirm one thing before we move on would you say that the information that you've given us today about the book club is only about the first 20 minutes of the book club or are you are you spoiling the whole thing for everyone now um I would say it's less than the first 20 minutes. Okay. All right, great. So it's a good teaser. I think so. I don't know. All right. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, Phil, were you reading comics during, or were you reading Marvel during the Infinity arc? What years were that? Was that 2012? Yeah, 2013. At that point, I, as I turn over to my bookshelf... Uh, no, I wasn't really reading Marvel at the time. I had pretty much dropped it at that point. I didn't come back yeah. into the fold until like 2015. That was right around the time I jumped off Maine's like, main like 616 stuff as well. I stopped reading main Marvel around 2009. How about you, Kale? Uh, I was reading at the time. I, uh... I did my best to keep up with it, but I think depending on when this was in 2013, that was right when I went off to uh, get my master's degree. So I, I, I think I dropped in the middle of the event. So because I don't remember how it ends. Okay, that makes this very, very interesting then, because this is probably the most, maybe the most ambitious that Marvel had ever allowed a writer to be with the Avengers, at least in, at least in, like, the modern era, I would say. Bendis' run was fairly safe for the most part. I don't think he did anything. That was the run right before this, right? Yeah, that was the the major run just before, yeah. That was when I stopped reading. That was the last, like, 616 books I was, 616 book I was following. Makes sense why you stopped reading. Mm-hmm. Secret Secret Invasion was the one big one before this, right? No. Um, actually, there were several before this. There was uh, Fear Itself, there, and there was Siege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those came before... Wow. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't don't think I read Siege either, but I did read Fear Itself. I, I will say this, I guess, as a tease, is um, I've wanted to really delve into Hickman's Marvel stuff, including his Fantastic Four for some time. That stuff's good. So I'm really excited to read this. Yeah, his Fantastic Four is yeah. tremendous. There's some good shit there. I, I I actually contend that Jonathan Hickman is one of the best writers in Marvel's history. Uh, one of his unsung books is actually Secret Warriors, which a lot of people don't talk about. But Secret Warriors is insane. Um, I, I would love to get my hands on those books. Yeah, I read that faithfully. It's probably too many issues for us to do a book club on, but it is absolutely incredible and uh, definitely doesn't get enough love. I I hope that after we read Infinity, and then we, you know, we'll get into everything else, but um, you know, depending on the reaction to it from us and hopefully from the readers, uh, maybe we can, or listeners rather, maybe we can jump into some of his other work uh, through our book club and explore... You know, other stuff that he's done, including Secret Wars, which is the follow-up event 
to infinity. That's a pretty polarizing title. Your Secret Wars? Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. I have interesting feelings on that one too. I I I just love Jonathan Hickman's period uh with the Avengers, but there are some things that I definitely wasn't in love with, so you know, but we'll we'll save more of that conversation for the actual book club. Hopefully you guys will go check it out. Remember that they come out at the on the last Friday of every month. Um and I believe that Marco posts a little teaser for the upcoming one, right? Yeah, every on- following Monday. So after we post on Friday, the following Monday is gonna be um what we'll be reading for next. We should uh we should post the reading order for uh infinity for yeah. what we're gonna uh, that's probably what we're gonna post alongside too. with like the books yeah, yeah, yeah marvel have- put out a really great image in every issue of the book that gives you an idea of what the reading order is supposed to be so fucking diagram yeah well jonathan hickman is is known for diagrams and stuff like that yeah. i mean yeah. that's his bag so let's jump into the palace polls for the week uh from kale we've got dial h for hero number one i'm very excited about this book on the same level i was excited for uh young justice um dial h for hero is a concept about um uh, a kid who who finds a, a telephone and with every i think it's every like number he dials it turns him into a certain superhero oh that's and, cool and they're just it's almost completely random it's not like he can just you know dial the same number and reliably turn into the same hero um so this this iteration of the character is done by uh sam humphreys and joe canones um i don't think i've ever read anything by sam humphreys but i'm very excited about canones he did um nightwing i think for the new 52 uh when i when it first launched um yeah i don't think it was when it wasn't when he first launched but it was pretty soon after yeah yeah um but I, i i remember enjoying the run Nick Darrington has a great cover for this. It's just a a, a plethora of just weird looking extra superheroes for Dial H to turn into, and it's it's very good. Sounds really fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's Wonder Comics, right? I, yeah, I think that's it's it's Bendis's imprint, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, Wonder Comics. Um, I really have. I I think they've been hitting it out of the park so far. So. Very cool. Uh, from Marco, we've got Glow, number one. So this is actually a Netflix show that they've made into a comic, um, or at least they're going to expand a little bit more of this of this world. It's Glow is the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Yeah. Um, it's, really, it's a really <laughs> good show. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've had a lot of fun with the show. I want to see what they do uh in this format and it's teeny howard who like uh, we we all know of and she's a really good writer so i'd like to explore that a little bit awesome cool. maybe that'll be your gateway into uh wrestling yeah i, I mean I, can... I saw this show like this show inspired me enough to like want to dive more so yeah maybe you could be on one of our wrestling specials sometime marco oh snap you guys got to do like a throwback special just go watch a bunch of glow and then you can have marco on he'll be an expert <laughs> So I'll, come in with, I'll come in with all the knowledge. All right. <laughs> oh, and so, shout out to Snot Girl 13. What up? Go check out our book club. Sean hey, wouldn't let me include hey. it this week. Bah, 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 bah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that was an unbelievably bad plug. 
<laughs> I have Hi, shouted it out. Hi. I mean, listen, what else could you say about Snot Girl? Like, <laughs> it's it's like The Walking Dead at this point, right? It's uh huh. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm a listener. I'm definitely gonna listen now. Uh, all right. Uh, so from Pete, we do have Martian Manhunter and Shazam number four. Good lord. Um, yeah, so I've been enjoying both of these books a lot <laughs> since we uh, we read issue number one for both of them on the show uh, back, I don't know, I guess four months ago-ish now uh, when they dropped. And um, they both, like, both of those first issues really grabbed me and motivated me to read uh, number two. I've been following them since then, and uh, I've really been enjoying them. It's the first time I've been keeping up with, like, a monthly superhero book since Invincible. Um, so it's been... Uh, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, Martian Manhunter, obviously, Steve Orlando and Riley Rosmo both doing a great job. Riley's art has just been, like, fucking insane. And uh, it's, yeah, like, this book just has such a unique look to it. And um, the <laughs> I don't know if you guys, like, have read the teaser for the next issue, but uh, it's pretty funny. There's a witness to a, a murder to a... Um, <laughs> There's a witness to the murder of the, the Adams family that was, like, established. And, uh, and it's an iguana. So like John's is John is gonna have Great. to like find a way to Great. like use his powers to communicate with him in his brain or whatever, which is gonna be be pretty interesting. I think I'm excited to see how uh, how Rosmo like realizes the brain of an iguana. So <laughs> that should be fun. Uh, and then uh, for Shazam. Similar thing, obviously, Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that, um, or that team's work with Shazam in our book club coming up. Uh, and this, this book has kind of been like a continuation of that series they did, um, back when the, uh, was when the New 52 started, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gary Frank was on that book. Okay, right. But it was, it was yeah. John's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, story. Yeah, John's and and Frank, it's kind yeah. of a continuation of that that um that plot that was established then uh but this this art um this issue is going to be really interesting i think because um they're going to uh the wildlands which is like a realm where like animals are people and human beings are like in zoos so i was like oh sean i love this issue it's gonna have a bunch of like talking animals doing there's apparently a bunch of seedy crocodile men who like own the zoo and I was like that sounds like Sean shit like just a bunch of like skeezy crocodile businessmen in suits or whatever or like weird zoo keepers sounds good I really love uh, talking crocodiles actually um, I'm, I'm not surprised I, I love when I hear things like this about Sean I really really appreciate <laughs> this it really establishes the mythos you know there's a video game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh something heist uh, for like it was for consoles back in the 90s and the first boss is a crocodile who's wearing like a kango uh jeans and yeah. a, a ratty <laughs> shirt and he just comes out like ready to brawl and he talks trash and i really love that villain diamond dallas page <laughs> nice <laughs> uh, read both of these books they're really good Hey, Pete, real quick question. Is there going to be Martian sex this issue? I sure be. hope so. That's all I got. That's, That's what, what I got Marco in the for. gate. <laughs> Marco's the byproduct of Martian sex. Marco the Martian. Oh, no. Marco the Martian. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. 
Social media rebrand. Let's go. That's going to be our Instagram name. One of our animated spinoff episodes or series, animated series, is going to be Marco the Martian. Do it again. That was good. That makes me very, very angry. (laughs) That was good, actually. (laughs) (laughs) What's that character's name again? Marvin. 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 Right, right, right. Uh, so from Phil, we've got Thanos Wars Infinity Origin Omnibus. This shit looks rad as hell. I wish uh, Marvel and DC would do stuff like this more often. Essentially, what this book is, is a collection of Thanos stories before the Infinity Gauntlet book. So you have stuff like from his first appearance in, uh, in Iron Man and the Marvel Captain Marvel book, both in 1968. Marvel Marvel features, Avengers, Strange Tales, of course, this stuff in Warlock's book, Adam Warlock. Um, I love the idea of retailing books as like, a, this is all the history of this character to get you familiar with this shit that we have coming out. It's rad. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I I guess I didn't I didn't know about this, but uh, very intriguing. Makes sense that they're releasing it this wednesday uh as opposed to like for the movie obviously right yeah it's like it's like why we're doing infinity exactly uh so marvel's almost as good at marketing as we are <laughs> almost almost so i chose the ever controversial heroes in crisis number seven john's back in now he read that article he's back in yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, for those of you who may have missed out, a couple weeks ago, I brought up an article that I'd read about uh, Heroes in Crisis and some of the stuff that you know people may have missed or clues as to what's actually going on in this book. And it really reignited my interest. That doesn't mean I love the book or think it's great or anything like that. It just means that I am looking forward to checking this out with a different pair of eyes. Uh, a more open pair of eyes, and I do hope that I find something redeeming this time around. Episode one twenty three for y'all. Oh, there you go. Spoiler: He won't. <laughs> uh, so I also chose uh, a historic comic, uh, Detective Comics number one thousand. Oh right, yeah, uh, this is gonna be cool. I forgot. I meant to put this on mine as well. I'm uh, very excited. But go on, Sean. Yeah, I, mean, I was um, gonna put it on mine, but Sean bullied me. I'm, you know, I'm only allowed to have. Uh, Shut the picks, fuck so. up, Pete. Well, Pete, when you talk <laughs> about your books, as long as you just talked about those two, it's obvious why I do that. <laughs> Don't miss when you come for the king. Uh, so, <laughs> Detective Comics 1000, obviously Batman celebrating uh, the history of this character. It's also the 80th anniversary of uh, Batman, which is super cool. I like that this all aligns. Um, there are a million covers for this book, and um, I'm really excited for it. Obviously, Phil was more excited for, I, I believe, I don't want to you know speak out of school, but I believe more excited for the Superman Action Comics 1000. This one, I think, uh, is more for me, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's because you're the Batman of the podcast, and I'm the Superman. We're the world's finest. Okay, hold on. Uh, let's br- let's break that down. Um, so, who is the rest of us? Phil only. Oh, oh wait, I have to tell you who you all are. That's right. Okay, well, Mar- Marco's obviously Marco the Martian. Yep, that one's already established. 
No, make me a new one. I don't like that one. No, the no, Marco Manhunter. No. Ah, I like that one. Ah, uh, maybe. Kale, you're a granny goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. <laughs> and Pete, you're uh, you're hmm, you're I don't know, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Yo, fuck you. <laughs> Fucking baby Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Don't I have to like you to be Jimmy Olsen? Oh, oh, okay, fine. You're you're Robin. All right, I guess that's which fine. one. <laughs> oh. hmm, he's he's Dick Grayson in the speedo. Yeah, I was gonna say the one that has boy shorts. Let's think about who we're asking here. Whatever, fine. That means I get to become Nightwing. That's fine. No, cool. you're Earth Two, Robin. All right, okay. And you um, die like a chump in Injustice. Your head hits a rock and you die. <laughs> Wee woo. Spoilers and also you're a dick. <laughs> so, we haven't established this yet, but uh, I am hoping to read Detective Comics 1000 for the show. So, uh, if if uh, if I have my way, next week we'll be coming at you with a review for that. Um, yeah, it is... Sorry, I don't think I'm going to make it. I slipped and cracked my head on a fucking rock. Yeah, we oh, know. finally. <laughs> we know, oh, my Pete. God. <laughs> I have that's, no friends left yeah. on this show. Kale, that's, that's too much. That's that Marco. That's Sean's ward you're <laughs> talking about. Listen, if I have my way, I'll take out Sean, too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Joker over here. So, let's move on to the news. Uh, as we As we said... C2E2 is happening, and uh, there are a lot of announcements that are coming out surrounding the event, at the event, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But the biggest announcement so far, I would say, actually came outside of uh, C2E2, just outside, which is that Marvel has unofficially, officially announced Jonathan Hickman's return to their books. We obviously just talked about him. Uh, we're going to be re- uh, reading Infinity for the book club. And uh, he is... Yeah, right? Uh, it's almost like I planned this. Uh, he's coming back to Marvel. And they, they announced it in a very uh, very plain way. So in this... So I, I should say, in this week's uh, books, which for I guess for you guys would be last week. For us, it's Saturday. Um they released an ad in their books that simply reads Hickman uh, in bold letters with a white on a white page, and then below that it says July 2019. It's fucking badass. <laughs> they, they announced it in a very Hickman way, is, right. is I think what is I think what you mean. <laughs> it is a very Hickman way. I think it's very appropriate. Um, and what's sort of cool about it too is that you know it establishes what a big name Hickman is that you can just put it out there like Hickman and we all understand how major that is um, what I think is, is we're like oh, oh Hickman oh, yeah exactly we, <laughs> light, lightning comes down and we all turn into superheroes and it's interesting because like I saw this and I saw the internet blow up and like I only know Hickman as a writer who once was at Marvel I don't know him as a writer who is or ever was at Marvel like in in, in the sense that I never experienced him as he was working there so this announcement, I was like, uh, okay, I get it, but I don't get it. Right. I I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> like, I understand that it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal to me. Because all in your mind, he most of his work is with Marvel anyway? 
Well, because I don't interact with him, so like I don't have any perspective on whether or not th- his return means anything or I would see. mean anything to me. I see. Yeah, Marco's just saying it didn't get a pop from him because gotcha. he's like not a not he familiar kn- with his work. Yeah, thought, he uh, knows he knows Hickman is written at Marvel, but he's never read anything. Is from. that true? I thought you read some of his image stuff. I read like uh, I like like one or two things. Um, he did East of West. He did yeah. the mm-hmm. Black Monday I dropped murders it like, too. I didn't like it. And then Monday Murders, I only got like two issues in. I never like dove deep because uh, for me it was like too out there. Okay. All right. All right. Now I understand. And only like a little bit of Fantastic Four. But like, that's about it. So <clears throat> um, Hickman is Hickman is a hard read, I would say, in the sense that um, he's one of the few comic book writers who genuinely uh, you need to really pay attention to every issue uh, in a lot of cases, every line of dialogue to understand what's going on in his books, and even then, you might be lost. Black Monday yeah, murders. He doesn't hold in your hand. <laughs> no, Black Monday murders is crazy, and uh, it, it's it is it is a it's a difficult book to read. Uh, that's, that's sitting on my shelf, the first volume. And I remember I came home from work one day when I was working these sixty-hour weeks. So I was like, "This should be cool. I'm gonna read this." I read three pages. I'm like, "Not today." <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, it, it's funny, dude, because I, I had that same kind of um, experience, like reading Infinity, where I was just like, "Man, I'm really glad that I read this like in two sittings or like one and a half sittings, not like month to month." Because, like, oh my god, how the fuck would I have followed this? I I I read it month to month, um, and I was hooked. This is. His writing style is ex- literally exactly what I want out of a writer. So, yeah. uh, but that, but you know, obviously, a lot of people feel differently than that. But I love Jonathan Hickman's work, and um, I, you know, we we talked about him a lot earlier. Um, I'm very excited to really dive into his stuff. If I'm being honest, um, from what I've like seen of pages, you know. This guy has writing chops. Uh, he seems like a better writer than most of the people in the industry uh, in terms of like writer, writer, you know, in a way that people would say about Neil Gaiman 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, sure. The quality yeah, yeah, of his writing. Yeah. Um, He's just dense. Like it's not bad. It's just like, you know, saying that you need to pay attention to the work isn't like a dig. It's just like it's not uh, – it's not brisk. It's not digestible. It's like you need to like give it your time and attention if you want to get the most out of it. Here's, oh, yeah. here's, here's my question. Do you guys think Jonathan Hickman is the biggest name to come out of Marvel the last 10 years? To leave? Oh, no, no. Or... To, the, to emerge as a writer. Because Bendis okay. emerged, you know, you could say like in 2001 Earlier. or so. Yeah. So like 2009, 2008, that around then. Do you think he's since since then? Do you think he's the biggest name to emerge from Marvel specifically? No. 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 Uh, the biggest name to emerge from Marvel in the last ten years is Rick Remender. Huh. I don't know. I think they're close. You might be right. Rick Remender has a popular television show on the air right now that people directly associate him with. Deadly Class is one of the biggest hits. Yeah, I think you know right now, um, and if he were to come back to Marvel or go to DC, that would be insane. Um, 
I think that Hickman is a big writer, but I also think the thing that makes him good is also the thing that would keep him from having the like status that you're talking about because his books are hard to read. Well, I was just gonna say I I, I don't know that he I, I don't know if he's in that tier of someone like Bendis, but he's certainly a, a big enough name. Oh yeah, that is up there. I don't and, and I think it's maybe because his work is maybe perceived as being a little more esoteric. Maybe because like guys like Morrison in the early '90s kind of had that vibe too, but that people were like, "Now this is the shit I can get into." Ditto for like a Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I I just I I just think Morrison writes in such a way where, like, if you didn't get what he was putting down with Batman, you still read a story that was super fun, and yeah, you know, he was a made man at that point. I was talking, I'm talking about his earlier, like when he was breaking in, he made a big splash, and a lot of those English guys, general did. Yeah, yeah. Um, either way, though, I I. I think the first question that would come to everybody's mind is what is Hickman going to write? And we might have the answer to that. So the week before this announcement, um, Marvel also ran an ad that said when two aggressive species share the same environment, evolution demands adaptation or dominance. That's what I was going to suggest too. I was going to suggest the X-Men. Right. So that ad obviously uses language that would, you know, suppose that it, it's about the X-Men. And then the next week they tie Hickman into it. It looks like he's going to be writing the X-Men. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, the X- it's like the it's like the biggest thing he hasn't really touched yet. And they're, you know, coming back to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other key, right? The X-Men haven't had a you know, top-tier writer since Bendis. Bendis. And that was a while ago. And Bendis has run... uh, If you ask me, and people will feel differently maybe, if you ask me, it didn't do... It it felt like it literally was just playing the hits. Um, He literally brings back the old X-Men. It doesn't advance things, you know? It's sort of... How much can you do with these characters without doing anything with these characters? Is what it felt like to me. Sure, yeah. This was this was like maximum burnout Bendis period. And so, I, I'm, at this point, I'm just gonna not acknowledge your Bendis digs. Um, <laughs> and and so, giving Hickman the X Men feels like a stamp of approval on those characters to say, here's a big time writer who's gonna tackle them. Um, Sean, could could yeah. you read that ad one more time? Sure. When two aggressive species share the same environment, evolution demands adaptation or dominance. That language also uh, makes me think of um, the X-Men, the IVX, the Inhumans X-Men stuff. Cool. Glad you brought that up. Um, that is what it made a lot of people think about. The problem is that they just did that. And I wonder, but, it wasn't super successful though, was it? Oh, it sucked. Th- this yeah. was around the time people were really sandbagging the Inhumans, right? When that yeah. came out? Yeah. That's that's so, why. That's a big okay. reason so, why. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they get, you know, a Hickman level writer, get him in there and establish his, you know, fucking 
Iliad and Odyssey on the <laughs> X-Men and, and the Inhumans, um, it might actually be good. It would be really hard to do that because of where the Inhumans have been left off since Death of the Inhumans, which I believe was by Donnie Cates. Spoiler, it's in the title. <laughs> um, yeah, they're left in a place where I think, I think Marvel... I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it, but they're left in a place where you can't do anything with them right now. Sadly. Kind of off the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, ancillary to this announcement, Bleeding Cool has been covering it, and uh, they said that, they, that like the day before this Jonathan Hickman deal came out or whatever, they said that it wouldn't actually be X-Men that he was writing. Um and then when they when this announcement came out, they had to spin it a little bit. And uh, they, they go, as we told you yesterday, it's not X-Men. Or rather, as we said, it's not called X-Men. and doesn't have that kind of title. So whatever, right? Um, it's when- actually Uncanny X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Bleeding Cool, Bleeding Cooled it. Yeah. What, what they go on to say, though, is that it's going to be two separate six-issue miniseries that are allegedly being regarded as, quote-unquote, the next major milestone in X-Men history and are specifically compared to major X-Men runs like Len Wein and Dave Cockrum's Giant Size, uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Lee's X-Men 1, um, Age of Apocalypse, (laughs) and, of course, Grant Morrison and Frank Quiley's new X-Men. That's huge... Uh, that's like so long. That's what Bleeding Cool is saying? That's what Bleeding Cool is saying. Nah, I don't buy it. Ooh, ooh. Hit us, Kale. Hit us that fire. What, do you, what, what don't you Bleeding buy? Bleeding Cool, of course. Oh, it's not X-Men. Uh, I mean, it, it might be X-Men. Uh, uh, no, it's not going to be called X-Men. Oh, but it's going to be the biggest X-Men event ever. Hey, Rich Johnson, cover your it's, ass. Kale's coming for like you. literally... So, oh god, we're probably gonna find out more about this during C two E two because, like I said, these announcements came prior. I f- it feels like a build up to C two E two. So that's gonna happen when this show is over for us. So we probably won't be able to comment on it. But next week, you're gonna expect our full thoughts on whatever it is he actually is writing. The one la- last thing I wanted to bring up before we move on to other news is that for a while. There were major rumors that he was actually going to go to DC. It would have fit so, too. He feels yeah, like a like DC with all writer. The stuff that's been going on lately too. Yeah, when you read, if you were to read the, his entire run with the Avengers, it feels as close to a DC event as anything Marvel has done recently. You're selling me on this shit. It, it really, I felt that way when I when I was reading Infinity. Yeah. It is. It's very DC, and it's it was cool for me to see the Marvel cast of characters used like that. So even then, it made me think, my God, what would he do with the Justice League? And there were rumors that he was meeting with Jim Lee in California and all this different stuff. Bleeding Cool suggests he's only writing six and six you know that's the extent of what we what they appear to know so far what if he's doing six and six and then he's jumping ship so that was my question so i was gonna say uh we're t- that would we, be 
wild. We outlined this conversation about how this is Jonathan Hickman's return to Marvel. In light of this, he's doing two six-issue miniseries. Now, that doesn't really sound like a return. That sounds like I'm freelancing with Marvel to do these two miniseries or whatever. Um, That all said, if I could pick one writer who hasn't touched Superman to do Superman, it would 100% be Jonathan Hickman. Um, A lot of people were talking about how in his Avengers run, he had a very Superman approach to Hyperion. And that's the kind of shit I'm into. There, there literally is a team. Uh, it, it's it'd be too hard to explain exactly why, but there are all these different dimensions and characters yeah, yeah, that yeah, come yeah. from them. This there's has been around lit- for fifty years. There's there's literally a team of characters who are different versions of the the Justice League that appear in in his run. Yeah, Squadron Supreme. I know. No, no, no. Well, yes, but also another oh. team. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. That was created in that run. And their story okay? resolves there. Yeah. So, hopefully more to talk about on that front next week, but on its face, very exciting. Um, one one uh, thing I, w- I would just point out, a uh, friend of the show, Tyler Olson, tweeted at us this week uh, when we saw the the Hickman announcement um, in the in the in the books, uh, Tyler said uh, Marvel needs to start building up the Eternals again in the comics, uh, with the movie currently in the works. No better person at world building than Hickman. That would be really interesting because I think the last person to really approach the uh, Eternals with, I've mentioned it before, but Neil Gaiman. Huh. He had a run. It's sitting on my shelf, like. 10 15 years ago it was really good that could be that could be very interesting thank you kale for bringing that up and thank you tyler for tweeting that at us um that sounds really cool i would like to see that uh so yeah let's let's move on as we as we're we're in our c2e2 mode i do want to cover some of the announcements that that have come out so far that are that are bigger and uh, what better way to do that than with a quick five by five? Oh man, here we go! Nice. Yes. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, five by five is a game that we sometimes play on the show where we have five minutes to cover five news stories within the, the time frame. Uh, you know, we've been criticized in the past for our show being too long. This is our effort to condense it. So uh, I'm going to start the timer here in a moment, and we're just going to be rolling. If you want to end our conversation about a news story at any point, say pass. Uh, If a few people agree, then I will uh, move on. And if you want to keep talking about it, just extend. At a minute, I will remind you guys that a minute has passed. Were you ready to start? Well, Marco, you might as well keep your mic off. Uh, We're not going to let you get a word in edgewise, (laughs) as is game tradition. Phil, you got to mute. Shut up, Sorry. Marco. We got. Shut up. We got to go. Phil, Phil, you got to mute. <laughs> All right. Very, Here. very angry. <laughs> oh God, you guys are ridiculous. All right. Here we go. 
Mark Wade will be telling the history of the Marvel Universe with Javier Rodriguez and Alvaro Lopez on art as part of the publisher's 80th anniversary announced at C2E2 during Diamond's retailer event. The six-issue series will be chronicling the entire history of Marvel Comics and the covers will be done by Steve McNeven. I'm into oh, it, folks. Pass. This sounds really pass. rad to Whoever. me because I think, like that Thanos Omnis I was talking about, I need more history of things. Kurt Busiek already did it with Marvels and Alex Ross. Pass. Let's move on. Sounds dope, pass. Speaking of Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, they are actually making an addition to their Marvels story. Uh, it oh, is the 25th yeah. anniversary of that series, and they will be adding a new story that will actually focus on the X-Men. Hell oh. yeah. Hell yeah. It's, pass, because Kale cares about it. Isn't this something on <laughs> um, uh, Ed Pisker's uh, X-Men book he just did? No. Because this will this will just be inside that Marvel's book that uh, Kurt Busiek did. Uh, Ed Pisker is doing something that is spanning the whole of the X-Men Like more holistic. Timeline. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Pass. All right. Uh, Marvel announced that Cletus Cassidy will be returning. Pass. And pass. bonding with pass. Carnage in a series called Absolute Carnage. This will be worked on by Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. And we'll see Carnage chasing down everyone who has ever worn a symbiote in order to murder them. And his return will be featured in backups uh, of different titles similar to Hunt for Wolverine. Donny Cates, I respect you, but pass. Did you yeah. guys know Donny Cates has a super deep and gruff voice? <laughs> pass. Okay. <laughs> uh, Comics Pal's favorite, Christopher Sabella, is launching a new title with Aftershock Comics called Trustfall that will be debuting this June uh, with art by Chris Vision. Trustfall uh, is a very interesting book that will see a... Typical superpower used in a different way. Ash Parsons was raised to believe she's special as some of the quirk of genetics that lets her teleport things. She's the golden goose of her family. Her family is the foundation of a struggling criminal outfit trying to get ahead in the world, and Ash is able to pop out whole fleets of cars and entire bank vaults. But while she can teleport valuables and her accomplices, she cannot teleport herself, making every job a trust fall with her family there to catch her and escort her to safety. It's a perfect setup, but as things begin to change and the Parsons move up in the world, Ash will find herself pushing back against her golden cage with deadly results. June 12th, 2019. That, that sounds good. cool. That is a good hook. Yo, yeah, it's a really good elevator pitch. Shanghai Red was dope as hell, by the way. Uh, I just read that. Uh, spell is great. Uh, sounds dope as hell to me. This is cool. Bank robber-esque and teleportation. I'm in. That'd be your superpower. <laughs> Teleport? Teleporting no, in the teleport. Banks. Like teleporting items like to me would be my superpower because I just lose <laughs> shit. <laughs> also, I feel like Sabella has proven to us that he uh, is. He has chops. Well, he has chops, but he's also specifically good at doing like heist stories, like like crime stuff with a crime element, you know. Um, so like, yeah, like this sounds great. You know, like a crime. You know. <laughs> All right, and last but not least, DC Universe will be free for everyone for one day only. Man, what bullshit. <laughs> Get him, Marco. Blast him. Marco's like, I actually paid for this shit. 
What the fuck? Dragon. Hey, Kale. Hey, hey, Kale. You can. Uh, I'm gonna change my password. Okay. You can. You can get it now. <laughs> it's for one no. day. <laughs> Give me that shit. Let's go. <laughs> In celebration of the 80th anniversary of Batman, uh, DC Universe will be free for everybody for one day uh, on March 30th, and it will run from exactly midnight to 11.59 on that day. It's a Saturday, uh, which will actually mark exactly 80 years to the day that Batman first debuted Detective Comics number 27. On top of that, uh, the first month of DC Universe will cost 80 cents for new members who sign up between March 29th and April 4th. No, no, no. This is really popping off, huh? Marco, please don't. Don't change your password. <laughs> I hope all the power. DC Universe is so far off Ten my seconds. radar. DC Universe is so off my radar that at first I thought you were talking about DC Universe Online. I was like, I thought that shit was over years ago. Time. All right. I like it when Marco acts like a daddy. <laughs> Marco's drunk with power. Yes. Always. Also red wine. <laughs> no, not today. We ran out. <laughs> Damn. All right. Marco's my bad. favorite cartoon character. Marco the Martian. Marco the Martian. I'm telling you. Uh, so the one last thing that came out of C2E2, so far anyways, that I wanted to bring up here, but I thought we would probably want to have a little bit of a bigger conversation about is the C2E2 Retailer Breakfast. Now... Ooh, uh, is that bacon? I, is, that like, uh, is that like when you go to like a Disney World character breakfast where like you get to sit down and eat bacon and then like, you know, all your favorite creators come up to you and they're like, oh gosh, what's going on? <laughs> all right. I mean, that- kind of, actually. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Pete, you've been Which- playing too much Kingdom Hearts, dude. <laughs> Gorsh, the nature of hearts and darkness. <laughs> oh, man. So at this event, which they do all the time, uh, Diamond essentially does a presentation uh, where they talk about the industry and what's going on in it uh, while, you know, retailers eat breakfast. Uh, pretty cut and dry. There were some interesting notes from this event, though, that I thought were worth talking about. So... In 2018, uh, or I should say uh, 2019, January and February um, saw sales for comics and graphic novels up about 5% based on, you know, what we saw in 2018. So 2019 saw a jump from 2018. Uh, And so that's, that's good, obviously. But sales in 2018 overall were down from 2017, uh, and that 2017 number was actually down from 2016. Um, So as a result of that, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, but I'm including these together because, you know, there's correlation. Um, Diamond actually said that the number of comic shops uh, dropped in 2018 by 1.7%, which Bleeding Cool figures, uh, because there are about 2,000 comic book stores in the direct market, that's around 35 stores that were lost total. And last year in particular, 
I think we reported on quite a few of those. I, I can recall some high-profile uh, comic book store closings. And when you're talking about a number as small as 2,000, uh, losing 35 of those can be pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, like, anytime that you can represent a percentage of something like that, where, like, 1% of the remaining stores are just gone, almost 2%, like, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Pete, you you were actually, your store closed because of sales or because of retirement? Because uh, of retirement, yeah. My my favorite store, the record store, um, the they'd been open for like like forty or something years or something like that. And like the owner was just like, I'm done, you know. Right. Like <laughs> I'm in my seventies. I'm ready to stop being at a comic book store every day. I feel that. Uh, Saint Mark's Comics closed yeah, here in New York. Had. Yep. Uh, so you know we have seen some major closings over the last uh, couple years. Hopefully, this isn't reflective of an actual trend that we can expect to see going forward yeah i mean unfortunately like we won't know until next year right you know like is we'll see like how many more stores go down you know unfortunately we end up reporting on quite a few of these so uh i think if you if you asked us if there was a significant amount of closings in 2018 we would have said yes just based on our reporting yeah, just like uh, anecdotally of just like off the top of my head, yeah, like several that I can remember. Um, <laughs> like more than you want, for sure. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of my least favorite things that we have to report on this show. Likewise. Uh, but there is some good news, actually. Uh, so Diamond revealed that uh, for this year, there were 5.2 million comic books ordered for free comic book day. Uh, across 51 free comic book day titles. So that's hopefully going to get a lot of people into the stores, um, which is exciting and obviously good news. Uh, And then they also talked a little bit about this old thing that we haven't heard about in a while, the pull box. (laughs) Those of you who are longtime listeners or just follow the industry might recall Diamond's Pull Box, which uh, we reported on quite a bit last year, around this same time, in fact. Uh, it was supposed to have launched already several times. Um, they talked a little bit about it more here. Uh, and they basically just said that it's in beta still and that... Um, Testing uh, out that search function. <laughs> Uh, that stores that have opted into the beta are showing increased sales um, and that Diamond doesn't have any part in selling directly to customers or they're not doing anything particular with the information um, and data that comes from these transactions that is strictly between the business and the consumer. Um, So... It's, it's interesting how that works. Uh, there is some controversy surrounding how this might play out. Um, just because Diamond... Uh, it, it, the question is, like, are they involved with data? Are they involved with the financial element of this? Because, say, I make my purchases through this poll box. Is Diamond seeing shares of the money? Do they know about the money? As of right now, there is no way to actually make payment 
through the site. You have to deal with your store, but who knows how that'll shake out. But that's all the news uh, coming from this uh, retailer conversation. Anything stick out to you guys? Interesting that that Diamond won't do anything with the information that they have, especially on customers, because that can just help them cater to customers that much better. Like it'll allow them to realize, okay, we're selling X amount of items to uh, a specific store. This is how many people are actually taking track of that. Like they can track that internally and they can work with the actual stores to be like to find a better threshold so they there aren't over orders, aren't under orders. They can help that process out. Um, and I mean, it, it'll save the stores money. It'll save Diamond some money so that they can like ideally figure out a better solution for this whole thing. Right. Ideally, yes, but if they knew what they were doing, they would have launched this app forever ago, so... Yeah, that's kind of my take on it still, is that, like, when we first initially talked about this story, it was like, oh, like, wow, this is, like, a great idea, but it... Excuse me. Uh, This is, like, a great idea and everything, but it feels, like, kind of too little too late. And the fact that we're a year later here still talking about it and it's in beta doesn't make me feel any more confident about their ability to actually deliver on this in a way that's going to be like what we want it to be and what the industry needs it to be. Yeah, I, I, I feel that Diamond I, – I think Diamond has a, a particular responsibility to the industry. Um, they have elected to be the, you know – liaison or distributor and everything else and i think that we've you know we've talked about and it's documented the problems with diamond and i think they really need to step up and provide a service that is going to push the industry into this century because it's not right now and um it just goes to show and look i don't want to like crap on them too much but it feels to me like there's a very lax attitude about this app, this this thing that's supposed to really help out uh, uh, these businesses, they're saying sales are up for for businesses that are in the beta. Okay, great, good news. How about we get this rolled out across the board? How about we hurry up? You know, it's been over a year since the announcement. Who knows how long they've been working on it? I mean, also like with the, the fact that they are the only distributors, like. The monopoly, right? They're they don't have to worry about a competitor being able to beat them out. So they can take as long as they want. They can do the minimum. They can bring the minimum effort in order to keep their themselves afloat uh, and like not give a shit about anybody else. Yeah, but I mean, like that only makes sense for so long, right? Like when you have this conversation coupled with the news that 1.7 of comic book stores that in America closed last year, like, that's Diamond's business, you know? Like, th- only so many stores can close before they become a non-viable business model. I mean, if they... I, I, I don't know, man. If they gave a shit, then maybe those uh, businesses would still be around. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an unfortunate reality of this industry. And because um, I'm sorry, ahead, I don't ahead. mean to cut you off, Sean, but I do just have this last thing to add because uh, something that like I've been thinking about a lot when it comes to this conversation is uh, inventory. 
and how much money like a digital system would save local stores. Cause anytime you've ever, like, I know something, uh, that plagued me for a while when I was like being lazy about going to my main shop was I was going to the one that was like closest to my house. Right. And that shop often doesn't have the books that I'm looking for. Like I remember Kale made a joke about it where he's like, you got to start going to a different shop, man. Like they never have the indie books that you're looking for. And it's cause that guy orders super small print runnings for anything that he's unsure of because he got tired of being left holding the fucking bag when he would be like, um, like Snot Girl was an example of a book that like he bought pretty big orders of because it was a new image book. It was supposed to be popular or whatever, and nobody bought it, you know? So like now when I go there, it's like there's like two or three. And if I'm not there day one to get it, I don't get it there. I have to go somewhere else. So it's like how many other shops are making that mistake and then it costing them hundreds of dollars, you know? If it's like the situation of, oh, like we're going to get, you know, 10 copies of this new book that's you know like 40 50 dollars and if they sell one what do they do with that the rest of those issues they sit there they hope someone buys them if they don't they end up in a bargain bin and they hopefully sell them for a fraction of a fraction of what they paid for them that's not sustainable especially when you're talking about a business model that's already done on razor thin fucking margins most of the time you know if you're not in a city or like a super active area like a college town or like somewhere where like i live where they can sustain three comic book stores in a county uh you can't afford to be doing that you know and like having a modernized like system like what they're talking about like similar to like what you see from someone like uh like clover or square which is like a pos system that you see a lot of small businesses using that like keeps track of what you're buying and what people are, or what you're as a business are buying and what you're actually selling, you know, so they could look and be like, man, like, you know, these dark horse books aren't moving for us. So like, let's stop buying them. Oh, but people really buy Batman every month. Let's double down on that and order more. Like those are, those are the kinds of tools that comic shop owners need to have. And like diamond should be the one to provide them. And if they're not, it's time somebody else did. Completely we're, agree. We're we're fortunate that comic book stores are still around. Period. I think in the wake of how the brick and mortar industry has changed over the last thirty years, with companies like Walmart and especially Amazon more lately have come in and really changed the mom and pop shop mentality. Uh, comic book shops have been able to relatively still stand despite all this. Uh, so the fact that we're getting more and more uh, reports on their seemingly inevitable de- demise for X, Y, and Z reasons is all the more discouraging. And Diamond uh, is as responsible and culpable for that as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll get an update soon about the pull box that will actually um, be a nah, good one. probably not. Well, yeah. So I, I hope it was a good fucking breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the least they could ask for. Oh, boy. All right. So in a surprising bit of news, uh, another week, another comic book publisher pops out of the woodwork. But this time, 
with some really powerful heavy hitters uh, behind the books. Uh, Axel Alonso and Bill Jemis, um, who are, I mean, they both are massive people from from Marvel. Um, both, I believe, at some point or another were editor-in-chief. Um, and uh, they are, they're teaming up to form a new comics publisher called Artists, Writers, and Artisans. Um, and for the rest of this, I'll just refer to it as AWA because that's a long name. Sounds like a um, damn promotion. Dude, I was just about to say that. That sounds like a wrestling fed. American I bet, Wrestling Alliance. Yeah, I bet at the some American point American Wrestling been, Association. Yeah. Um, so they'll also be joined by Jonathan Miller, who is the former, or A, I should say, former CEO of AOL. Um, now, there okay. was, yeah, there was a New York, New York Times profile that, you know, covered this and uh, where they talked at length about what this is going to look like and stuff like that. Um, we did learn that Frank Cho uh, is going to be writing and drawing a book called Fight Girls, which is a, a, ser- <laughs> a series about women wearing numbered white sports bras yep, who fight each right. other for control of the galaxy. Yeah, that sounds like Frank Cho. Lots of cheesecake. Yeah. That's um, definitely a word for it, yeah. Peter, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. He's been under a lot of criticism over the years for his uh, portrayal of women. I Okay, look, but, go ahead. but cheesecake is the part that I'm getting hung up on. Oh, wait, you never heard that expression before? <laughs> no, I've never heard that before. Oh, what the hot, fuck? Hot men are beefcakes, hot women are cheesecakes. <laughs> Oh, all right. Okay. okay. No, I never heard that either. <laughs> I've never heard that before, and I think that's really funny. <laughs> I never heard it broken down like that, but I, I've always heard that phrase, so that's funny that you... Was that, like, is that the actual I believe so, or? yeah. I believe so. Okay. That was, wow. That's always been my understanding. All right. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a problem with Frank Chill. Let the guy draw what he wants. If you don't like it, don't buy it. There's no reason to hate on him. Um, Peter Milligan... Is oh, working yeah. on a book called American Ronin, which is about corporate assassins. Uh, I don't know if that's assassinating corporations or people who work for corporations that are assassins, but you know who knows. Um, maybe both. And Krista Faust is writing a comic called Bad Mother, uh, which is essentially about a mom who carries an assault rifle and is looking for her daughter. That's um, cool. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. The, this next part is where the article by Comics MNT uh, gets a little a little odd. Uh, just be, or not not it gets odd, but um, it re- makes a reference to something that that's a little odd. Uh, it says, uh, uh, "Well, I, I, before I say that, I should say uh, there's another book called Archangel Eight, which is written by Michael Morecci. I think that's how you say his name." Um, that's about an angel who goes rogue and dons tactical gear and an assault rifle. <laughs> That's cool. Now, lots of uh, lots of books about people who get assault rifles. Well, that's what I was going to say because in the article it says no word on whether Bad Mother or Archangel Eight are part of the same shared "quote unquote" characters wielding assault rifles universe, <laughs> or if they're creator-owned titles. That's great. Please tell me that characters wielding assault rifles. Is not the name, the designated name of the universe. Yeah. I mean, fucking, why not? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, what, so, go ahead. Are, are you guys ready for the, the spinoff to this show, Pals Wielding Assault Rifles? The first episode is we all just shoot Phil. Guys, if you if you want to start that, like, I'm from Texas. Like, See, this is where it gets a little weird. I'm not interested in talking to you guys about wielding assault rifles. Uh, listen, we are white. I get it. Yeah. Listen, they, they, they chose the right person to shoot first. It would be me. <laughs> right. Uh, so, um, go ahead. Wasn't Bill Hamas behind that one imprint? Uh, a few years ago that was supposed to be like I can't remember I cannot for the life of me remember what it was uh, the one that was supposed to take place in the Night of the Living Dead we covered it a few years ago at that other place oh uh, take two yes no not double that, take double take double take wasn't he behind that he sure was uh, and it lasted okay. three years okay great so now now I know what I what I feel about this then <laughs> There you go. Um, well, to be fair to this announcement, the talent behind it is definitely some of the better talent, uh, especially outside of Marvel and DC. Yeah, um, Peter Milligan, uh, Frank Cho, I, I mean, Michael Morecci, uh I can't remember what he did, but he did something that I really enjoyed. Um, I can't, yeah, I he's can't done – his sci-fi stuff is uh, Roche Limit. Yeah, uh, he's very very good. Uh, he's okay. got a couple of different, a uh, couple of different real hard sci-fi titles that are very very good. Any word on uh, what Akira Yoshida is doing? <sighs> no word. <laughs> Probably um, involve assault rifles, right? And like Godzilla. I do want to add that the AWA will have a creative council, and on that council will be uh, of others, presumably uh, J. Michael Straczynski, Margaret Stahl. Uh, Reginald Hudlin and Garth Ennis. These are some major names. All right. Also, yeah, I mean, there's some real talent there. What a fed. <laughs> also, uh, the company's going to be offering creators either pay for their work, a percentage of the company in lieu of pay, or a combination of both offers. Yeah, I read this and I was like, mm, all right, you guys don't have money. Yeah, that that's what it weird. sounds like, right? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That sounds like a pyramid scheme shit. <laughs> the more comics you sell, the more money you'll make. Tell a friend, and they'll tell two friends. <laughs> um, we'll see the books from them in the fall. Um, I don't know. This is a weird story. Great creators. <laughs> I won't. Well, you know. Great creators, uh, top-level creators with interesting ideas, but it seems like there's something weird going on here. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, it's like it's not quite like um, what is it? Antarctic Press that's just gone full-blown um, Trump supporter, but it does feel similar. And I can't put my finger on how or why. Is it the assault rifles, Kale? Is that what it, it is? It might be. It might be. So, Axel Alonso, I don't want to, like, uh, speak out of school or anything, but he doesn't have the best reputation. And he's not super well-liked. Is, at he, least is, by he, fans. is he a comic skater? Not to my knowledge, no. 
Uh, he just just people there love his tenure as uh, editor in chief at Marvel, and when he left, it was kind of like weird. So I don't know. And obviously, with Bill, we all you know we've all heard the stories. It's interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with this one because, uh, like I said, there are new publishers popping up every single week. There are probably, at this point, more publishers than stores to sell these damn comics. And uh, someone, not all of them can make it. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully these guys have more success than some of the other ones. Uh, Axel, Axel was... EIC at Marvel from January 2011 to November of 2017. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, before Akira and <laughs> after Joe Quesada. I'll be honest. I remember I remember hating the fact that Joe Quesada was even leaving. Yeah. I wanted uh, him to stay forever uh, and whatever, Phil. And uh, <laughs> I, was excited, you, I was excited as hell when I heard he was leaving. I was like, hey, may, maybe Marvel will be good. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And Axel Alonso was the main guy, if I'm, my memory is serving me right, was the main guy behind the X-Men prior to becoming EIC. And I didn't really love what was happening with the X-Men in that period. So I was like, oh, no. Yep. And we got what we got. So. For the main topic, uh, obviously we've got to talk about the eventuality, the thing we all knew was coming, but is no less important or historic. Uh, the Disney-Fox merger is officially completed. It, it, it was officially completed on Wednesday. Darkest timeline. Yeah, well, you know, depending on who you ask. <laughs> um, Wednesday. Not for Disney. No, certainly not. Wednesday the 20th. Uh, the merger was completed. I mean, merger, purchase, however you want to spin it. Um, and there are some positives, some negatives. We're going to go over all that. We have really not talked too much about this for the last few months because, obviously, we knew this was coming. And, you know, there's a lot to discuss on this front. The good, the bad. Um, and the ugly. Gonna, <laughs> the ugly, that's fair. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into it all. I want to start with a memo that was sent out from Alan Horn and Alan Bergman. How they got two Allens to be the chiefs of Disney is uh, funny. Um, huh? Oh. <laughs> but, uh... Makes me um, so uncomfortable. <laughs> the bi- I think probably the biggest talking point around this whole thing right now that I've seen is just about the layoffs. Um, and so this memo kind of, kind of delves into that and talks a little bit about, um, what people at Fox can expect. This memo was sent from those chiefs at Disney to Fox members. With the announcement that the Disney Fox deal is officially complete, we begin an exciting new chapter in the history of both our companies and the industry. This is a major piece of the bold strategy Bob Iger has set for the Walt Disney Company as our business rapidly evolves. It's astounding and humbling to consider the rich, dynamic legacies of these storied studios and the endless possibilities ahead as we unite them. It's not something we take for granted as leaders, and we are looking forward to working together to build a team of unparalleled creativity and innovation. Although there is much to look forward to, 
We know this integration will entail quite a bit of change across our organizations. We want to acknowledge that and ensure you that we are committed to engaging in this process thoughtfully and communicating changes as we are able, most importantly with respect for all involved. We'll be making announcements very soon about our senior leadership structure. It will take some time to reach our future fully integrated state. Day to day, our top priorities remain the same, to support the great content we're creating and deliver a superb experience to our consumers and to continue to build an inspiring, inclusive environment where employees can bring their best to work every day. That's about all I need to read. Uh, so he talks, they, they talk about um, respect for all involved. And, you know, they're using nice language to essentially Corporate say, jargon. not all of you will have your jobs. We're going to do our best to let you guys know as soon as possible and give you, you know, whatever time you need to find a new job or whatever it is. Um, that's cool. Conservative efforts that I have seen are, and this is coming from all kinds of outlets, 4,000 jobs lost. Between 5,000 and 10,000 jobs are likely to be lost as a result of this merger. Yeah. So the high I saw was 7,500. The low I saw was 4,000. So we'll see. Either Uh, way, we're talking about thousands of people being out of work in a week. Yeah, it's no... It's no small number. Uh, There have been reports essentially saying that a lot of people will uh, come in as, you know, temps to do their job temporarily until (laughs) there's no longer a need for those individuals. Um, There have already been firings. There have already been closures of entire uh, sections of Fox's uh, business, Fox 2000, which was a, a, a film branch of theirs or whatever is closed. Um, so they're already making moves on that it, front. It reminds me when Disney uh, forced its tech workers to hire and train Indian replacements from India, which they exploited for low H-1B pay, basically, so they could have a lower bottom line. <sighs> wow. Um, so that sort of dark overcast, I guess... Sets the stage for this conversation. Oh, um, boy! <laughs> <laughs> that time was good. We've we've argued, I think, a lot about the positives and negatives of this over the last few months. Um, but I do want to open that conversation up again because I think it's important to restate whether or not you agree or disagree with the negative element of this, I think it's important to establish that uh, up front as a part of this conversation. So, Phil, go ahead. (laughs) I mean... Thanks, Sean. Uh, It's just, I I hate that they're closing down all of these jobs and it's a monopoly and and monopolies are bad and we gotta we gotta get past this post capitalist era like like i mean can, can you even imagine that why, why can't we be just more like Candyland? i don't understand <laughs> they have a great economy on peppermint you guys this is like the one time that i need phil to be the most phil he can be don't undercut his message <laughs> i like it but also, i love it <laughs> but also what's Candyland like 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's a fascist kingdom. Jesus Christ! Holy shit! I'm out. Nope. I mean, they're it's a tyranny. Like they're under a king. <laughs> Doesn't mean they're fascist. Candyland is a communist hellscape with a fascist regime. Fascist regime. Those two are those are two different things. But whatever. anyway, can can you yeah talk yeah. about the uh... um uh. Where'd even begin? Like they're gonna have a complete monopoly on entertainment. Um, the amount of different licenses they're gonna have beyond just the Marvel stuff is uh, really staggering. And when you have a monopoly over entertainment of all things, which is like where a great share of like public money goes because people go to see movies and they watch television hell disney now has 60 percent of hulu on top of trying to make their own streaming service however that manifest remains to be seen but it's it's some of the other stuff here in, in addition to their really crappy business practices toward you know their clientele and it's not just what disney has the potential to turn into from here because just look at what jeff bezos is doing with amazon the quality of employees over there uh when you have the complete market share of any good or service you get to dictate the price which is something disney's already been doing with movie theaters disney has already already takes the largest percentage share of ticket revenue from a theater and in addition to comic book stores already struggling to stay in business, movie theaters are having a similar issue. Hence the you know jacked up prices of you know popcorn and soda and shit. And when you don't screen one of their movies because of how much they take of their ticket share, they just don't give you the movie. <laughs> That's it, um, because they have the power to do that now. They don't have to give you the movie to screen because they're so big. Well, and the problem is they already had that power, and now it's yeah. just like you know, one of the only companies that is was at all capable of acting as like a legitimate competitor is now gone. And so that and not only gone added to their, you know, the weight behind their power. Yeah, and there's only so many blockbusters that come out every year, right? Uh, not that you know the nature of a blockbuster is inherently good for. For the workers or anything but most most a lot of them every year is all are already disney between pixar disney's animated studios and the marvel movies and star wars they already control a major share of the movie you know sharing zone of movies um now with fox under their belt this is Everything that Fox has, minus the network channel and Fox News, I believe, right? That's that's everything that they're getting. That is correct. And I want to stop you real quick just to give an illustration of some of the things that uh, Disney now has control of. Uh, the Marvel stuff, X-Men, you know, Fantastic Four. Um, you also have Die Hard, Aliens, Predator, Avatar, Planet of the Apes, uh, Kingsman, Home Alone, Buffy... X-Files, 24, Simpsons, Family Guy, um, Futurama, all that, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that there's an Bob's endless Burgers. list. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, MASH, um, Sound of Music, like just a, a lot of things, probably more things than you imagine they now have control over. 
yeah. Phil and and uh, and Sean. I don't know if it's in that article, but do you guys happen to know what percentage from a, a movie perspective they have of like an entertainment share? Like now that they've acquired Fox, I, I believe I, I think I looked this up last time we had this conversation. I feel like it was like 70 percent or something. It's, it's uh, insanely they, high. I know they have sixty percent of Hulu. High. I don't know if it's yeah. I don't think it's that. I, I, it's, it, this was like five months ago. I, I forget, but uh, yeah. I know. I know one of the one of the like just kind of napkin math statistics that I saw thrown out there was that like I think it was last year, right? Like Disney owned. Uh, 25% of like the um highest grossing pictures of the year, you know? So and now you add another what like maybe Fox had 10% last year, you know? And so now it's like you're looking at them going from being like a quarter of the market to maybe like a third of the market and that's just for movies, so- you know, like not one estimation here is that the merger of these two movie giants could give Disney an unprecedented 40% control over the worldwide box office. Wow. So that's um, that's insane. The other the other aspect of this is what this could do to the press, uh which uh this is something that like Noam Chomsky talks about with his uh book Manufacturing Consent, but basically uh with Disney having a monopoly over this market, this basically could impact who they let go see early screenings of their movies. There's already been a precedent of this where they banned the Los Angeles times uh, in Anaheim due to their criticism of their politics at Disneyland. Uh, Of course, they eventually lifted the ban because of uh, wide backlash, but this is the kind of stuff that happens in politics all the time where people at certain junkets are allowed to go cover certain events because of the type of coverage they'll give it. Uh, Because basically, unless you glad hand whatever you know the major power is they don't have to let you in to cover their event disney has that kind of reach now where they could have they could basically dictate what kind of press they get yeah and that's um you know i think as long as you have like all of the press outlets uniting in the way that they did around the la times when that happened uh you know it 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 can make it more challenging for Disney to do something like that, but when you own this much of the game, you know, it's like that that's that's the real problem at play here, you know, is that like how much of like our culture and our mind share is now owned by one company. You know, and like that is I think just as problematic and scary as any of the things that Phil outlined. You know, is that like it's not only like how much um money is spent on the entertainment industry every year it's also how much stock the the general person puts into those things you know like we have an entire podcast right that's just us talking about a thing that we're passionate about and like so many people dedicate a similar amount of time energy love mind share whatever you want to say to intellectual property and the fact that one master controls so much of it now. Some of those things that Sean listed, right, like are some of the most relevant IP in, um, in American history. Yep. This gives them more and, power to lobby the government to basically not allow trademarks to expire so that they could basically monopolize all this shit they have, which was obvious forever, which was the Simpsons were not Disney's before. It was a you know project by Matt Groening that 
Fox was able to license and distribute, but now Disney owns it. Uh, this goes for a wide swath of things. The, the entire principle of having something licensed and trademarked was to protect a creator's right to make it. But because of how powerful companies like Disney have gotten, these characters can never a- enter public domain. And that's only part, part of the creative aspect of this, because now that Disney has such a monopoly on, on creativity, movies like Alien probably can't get made because Disney really shies away from rated R type movies. That's true. They could open up. It's true. They could open up like a rated R type thing, but it's all, it's all coming from one house. And I, I think, <clears throat> uh, to the to the point you made before, like that, I feel like we're kind of glossing over. Like, in case you, the listener, doesn't know this, uh, Disney has uh, lobbied the government multiple times now to extend uh, the like for for every piece of intellectual property, um, like the way that intellectual property law works, so that they can maintain their rights over Mickey Mouse, right? Because he's supposed to have entered the public domain forty I think. years ago. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, they've extended right. it two or three times over now. Yes. Um, and that's specifically because of Disney, like, lobbying the government. And because of that, like, the fact that they're continuing to just gobble up intellectual property in this way, it's like, they're probably going to keep extending that forever until we eventually get to a point where it never happens, um, as long as somebody's paying the bill and them controlling this much stuff, like, they're not going to not... Like, this is never going to ever change hands to another master now. Unless... Disney is infinite. Unless unless they are trust busted. That's the only way this happens. But the last point I'll make on this before I let uh, everyone who's wrong talk uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> is basically this. The other aspect of this is because they have such a monopoly over the industry is they get to set the price of wage as well. Uh, any monopoly in history is able to basically pay peanuts on the dollar because they control the industry. There is no competitor and there's no interest in letting your workers live on a, you know, reasonable salary. They could, they could lowball people because where else will they go? Yeah. Disney now like owns so much of the game that like, they're one of like what? two remaining companies that can really afford to make blockbusters like three because there's there's sony and there's warner brothers and there's probably a fourth one okay yeah so three um but either way right like when you own like when you're the biggest game in town like you get to decide what people who make blockbuster movies get to make and there's like netflix i guess but yeah they're not making you know avengers or star wars or something like that you know fast and the furious like netflix isn't a player at that but but you know what yeah netflix scares disney and that's the whole reason for trying to buy 60 percent of hulu and make their own streaming service so i do think we need to provide a, a a counterpoint or at least an alternate perspective and i've got a few takes on that front number one there is a lot of um vilifying of disney in this in this situation and I think that that's a little bit misguided because Disney, d- d- there is no world in which Disney says, eh, let's not buy Fox. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Fox, Rupert Murdoch chose to sell because he wanted to cash out. He wants money and they don't need it. They got Fox News. They got, well, go ahead. 
another bad guy. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't need the uh, entertainment, uh, uh, filmmaking, television show making aspect of 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 Fox. So they got rid of it, and there were there were multiple bidders, uh, but Disney won out because and they have the most money. <laughs> they have them. Well, of course, they have the most money. Um, they, 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 actually they don't, they, their offer wasn't the most financially, um, viable for Fox. Uh, I forget who it was that made an offer that was actually more money Amazon. than what Disney was offering. Been Comcast. Oh, I think it was Comcast. Yes. Cause Comcast and, has been barking up the Disney tree for like 10 years. Yeah. And Fox chose to go with Disney because they felt that there was the most value in that. Um, so I really don't think – I mean you can quibble with like – you can quibble with the aftermath and what this will result in. But I don't think you can sit there and blame Disney for making a choice that anyone would make. Yeah, yeah, but that's, um, not, the pro- that's not the problem. The problem is it shouldn't have been allowed to go through because yeah, of the I aftermath. I remember when you guys were talking and I remember yeah, when yeah, I was all right, silent. Go ahead, all right. <clears throat> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that this is, this is sort of what happens when, um, you live in a capitalist society. We all understand that. And until we change things on a fundamental level, this is just what's going to happen. Um, it does suck. It does suck. For uh, the people that work there, and and you guys outlined, you know, eloquently, um, some of the issues that could that could result from this, but at the same exact time, the movie industry itself is in a place where, look, Disney has made a represent a reputation for itself, and created um, a space for itself where it is that powerful, not because of shady business moves or anything like that but because of creating content that people want to engage with. So you could just as easily make the argument that they have the right to have all this because they have shown over the course of many, many years, they create content that people want to have. Um, If it wasn't, if that, if what I just said wasn't true, this would never have happened because we wouldn't talk about Disney, but we do. Um, So I get everything you guys are saying. But I also think that um, I also think there's another way to look at it. Uh, Kale, Marco, you guys want to weigh in? I I don't know much about the um, the politics and the industry uh, side of all this. I you know uh, I I don't want to come at it with. Oh, Marvel owns the X-Men now. Because, you know, that that is... And I, I, you know, I am connected enough to realize that is very short-sighted. But I I can't... um, I'm not educated enough to have an opinion on all of this. So I don't... uh, I think I I might sit this one out as as much as I can. Um, I I think for me, I'm somewhere in between... Phil and Sean, just because, like, I, I, I do believe that there should be potentially review from a perspective of uh, like monopolies from trusts, like that that kind of thing. I, I think that 
there should be action against that. But at the same time, from a business perspective, to Sean's point in the mixed economy we have, it's a process of business. However, however much you might agree or don't agree is obviously your prerogative. But like, we're what allowed are you to do be, about it. What? What are you going to do about it? Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, I mean, and 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 to to the point of like, what are you going to do about it? Like, I I agree. There should be uh like vocal like vocal attention to this from a perspective of hey this isn't inherently right and can be perceived as like kind of fucked up these many people have lost their jobs this company may potentially have a larger sway over public opinion and have a larger damage to the public um maybe we should take a second look at this but as of right now it's just kind of like okay it's happening we all know it's happening let's see what the aftermath is and how it plays out as it continues and we should call for at least something to be done about the what at least we can call for something to be done about what has happened in the aftermath of the fox and disney merger so i do i do have a question so along those lines that that marco sort of laid out so so assume they find uh, wrongdoing or or that disney is you know they do have a, a monopoly and you know they need to be broken up what happens uh because like you know like sean said that murdoch was looking to sell so what would happen in that situation uh the probably the best analog that we have for that would be uh apple in the 90s uh were were broken up because they were thought to be um you know like to have too much sway over um the technological industry at that point so they had to sell a certain amount of the company to not to no longer be considered a monopoly so, so Dis- disney um, would have to do that yeah disney would be forced to sell x like the government would essentially like decide this is how much of your company you need to sell. So like decide what assets you're going to get rid of. So then they would have to sell X number of properties, you know? So if that was them being like, all right, fine, you know, we think we've gotten what we can get out of Star Wars, for example, right? Like we're going to get rid of that. Or Marvel is so successful, you know, it'll be spun off into its own company and we'll get you know, it'll, we'll get, you know what I mean? Like they'd have to do something like that. Um, and then that would be how they would move forward and whatever assets they got rid of would would go to the highest bidder and they did get a, you know, a buyout for it. So, but where does Fox stand in that position? I mean, at that point, like it's, it's already decided. They so lost like their stuff. all of, yeah, like all of that, all of those Fox assets would belong to Disney and it would be Disney's decision to be like, what do we want to keep? What do we want to get rid of? So they could just be like, we'll, you know, we'll keep the Simpsons, but we'll sell alien, you know, and we'll sell, you know, and like, they'd have to just, they'd have to go through their portfolio and decide what things that they thought were worth keeping, but also what could they get rid of that would meet the government's requirements for them to become smaller. So, like, you would see them probably get rid of a – like, they might get rid of The Simpsons because it's like The Simpsons are a huge property, but we're not going to do anything with it. It's reaching the end of its life cycle or whatever. Like, we'll sell it to the highest bidder, and then that now Comcast owns it or whoever. 
You know, like that, that would be what would happen. Uh, there's been a lot of instances of this. There's been a lot of lawsuits, a lot of uh, reforms, like the Clayton Act reforms were basically railroads and oil and meatpacking and all kinds of, you know, turn of the century type industries were broken up because of things I outlined before, like paying, underpaying their employees and raising the cost of goods or lowering the price of goods to drive competition out of business. All kinds of shit that's real shady because it's inherently uh, problematic. So I want to shift gears because um, as as fun as it is to talk about the, these things, um, there there are this, this is my fucking right, life. There are other elements, obviously, to this whole deal that we need to discuss. Um, so, of course, the the biggest way that this impacts us is that uh, Fox or Disney now controls all of the Fox owned Marvel characters which includes the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, um, pr- pretty much um, the, the characters that exist under those umbrellas. Um, one piece of this that sort of doesn't get as much talk as, as uh, others is that a lot of the movies that Fox had in development are now in question. And I thought, I found something that I thought was really interesting, which was... Um, about how this deal is actually impacting Dark Phoenix. Now, a marketing executive who was not named uh, spoke to uh, Vanity Fair and said the following. We know when we are dropping a trailer, but we are nowhere near where we should be at this time. It's frightening. I would be mad if I were a filmmaker. What's not normal is the elephant in the room, which is that most people there are not going to be the people that are still in the job when the movie opens. Nobody has come around and said, this is what's going on. Why can't they just tell us that there is no place for us? Why can't they let anyone know? We are not leaving because we didn't make money for the company or we did a bad job. We are leaving because of pure capitalism. That's a very interesting point. And what it's... What it's speaking to is, look, yeah, the guy has a great point. It'd be nice to know what's going to go on with you and your job um, once this merger completes. But at the point at which he's having these fears and all these people are having these fears, no one can talk about that. Uh, it's, it would be illegal to talk about that based on you know the way that these rules work. You can't say, hey, well, uh, we're not going to need you once this merger goes through. Um, you just That's not, you can't do that. Um, yeah, they, it's, it's, you take the employee completely, you know, and they don't matter. They're secondary to loading the pockets. of. A no, I mean, cat. you literally legally can't do that. Right. I know. But that, that makes sense though, because the deal's not done and you're not allowed to, because there, there are plenty of situations where that could go wrong. Like, so for example, um, we know that Marvel or Disney was not allowed to, work on these properties uh, even though it was pretty likely that they were going to own them they weren't allowed to work on those properties they weren't allowed to sign deals with creators um, that Fox you know may have had deals with um, to work on certain properties like uh, Drew Goddard uh, signed a new deal with Disney to work on properties for them after he had actually signed a deal with Fox prior he was the guy that was going to work on uh, X-Force but now he has a deal with Disney 
So there are a lot of reasons why you can't do that. And I think it makes sense. Um, but when you look at Dark Phoenix, and especially when you look at New Mutants, New Mutants got screwed. Well, um, it's probably going to come out under the Hulu, uh, or, or rather Disney Plus. Disney Plus or Hulu. Um, or at least that's that's what it seems like uh, right now. Well, do you, do you think? Because it, it was rated R, right? It was going to be. I think so. Yeah, because if so, I don't think. Uh, they've made it clear there's not going to be any rated R content on Then Disney it would Plus. be on Hulu. Um, so, mm-hmm. so in the Hollywood Reporter article, uh, they speak to this to say the fate of the other film, writer director Josh Boone's New Mutants, remains in the hands of Disney execs who will decide its future after seeing it. New Mutants still has an August 2nd release date, but is said to be troubled. The idea of reshoots has been brought up, although the film could ultimately end up on a streaming platform such as Disney Plus or Hulu rather than a theatrical release. See, the thing with that is. Um, New Mutants was supposed to have all these reshoots. They never actually happened. All yeah, they never oh, actually took place. Oh my god, dude! That movie. And the reason, or I shouldn't say I know this for a fact. I assume that the reason they weren't willing to spend that money on reshoots is because there was no guarantee this movie was coming out to begin with. Yeah, it's like why fucking bother at this point? Dark Phoenix. Go ahead. I feel like. I was going to say, I could see Dark Phoenix coming out on Hulu. I feel like at this point, just fucking... Well, Dark Phoenix is definitely coming out in theaters. I don't think that there's any any way around that at this point. It's a it's a, it's a made yeah, movie. They've done, you know, all this... Well, I shouldn't even say all this promotion. The promotion's been really weak. But it's it's coming out in, in Are you guys June. ready for the X-Men? <laughs> Are you guys ready for the X-Men universe to just go out with a whimper? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um so but here are here are some other movies that that are probably not gonna come out at this point. Uh Gambit is is unlikely to see release. Oh right. Oh, no. That movie. <laughs> uh there are there are some that you that you might, you know, like, uh such as uh Doctor Doom. No. You guys all were though, into so that idea when it was first proposed. Yeah, I, I'm uh, into the idea of a Doctor Doom movie, but like th- they have not made one good Fantastic Four movie. Why would a Doctor Doom movie made by Fox oh, be good? Uh, X Force. That that was that seemed pretty cool. That would have been uh, cool, Kitty Pride. Yeah, I was into it. I didn't know that was happening. Uh, that was. Bendis was, was into actually that, yeah. uh, is into it? actually writing. Oh. He's writing it. Yeah, he. That's his. That's his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's gonna, um, you know, what's gonna happen with that. I assume that movie's not being made, but who knows? Who's to say? Maybe Disney. Exactly. Will it up. Um, so it, every report that I have read is that Deadpool's the only character who's not being rebooted. Oh, and then uh, they, they were. There was talk about what was it? Brian K. Vaughn doing a uh, Silver Surfer, Silver yep. Surfer movie too. That's wasn't that, I think that yeah. would have been cool. Could still happen. Te- technically, who's to say? Maybe it, it just seems un. Go right? ahead. Like why not? It seems unlikely, but like 
they are moving into a new generation at Marvel. They're going to be, you know, doing more cosmic stuff. Like, who's to say that they don't have that conversation with him and be like, hey, you still interested in doing this? Like, we own the character again. Why not? Silver Surfer's got, like, heat. You know, people like him. He was a big deal at one point. I'm sure they could bring him back. There was also an X-23 movie that uh, was going to be worked on that's no All longer right. a thing. So Yeah. That was like in the Logan universe, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh man, that means uh, Legion's going away too, right? Well, Legion was uh, well, Legion was anyway. Oh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. So disappointment all around. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, of course, the sort of final question is: What happens now? What happens with the characters that Marvel now has access to? When will we see them appear? on screen, uh, sharing the screen with, you know, the Avengers. Um, Endgame. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> well, uh, I kid, right? But I think that there is a chance that they do some sort of teaser at the, like, uh, as, like, a post-credits for Endgame because I think that, um, like, obviously it's close, Right, it's real close, but like people forget that like the shawarma scene in Avengers was shot like a month before the movie came out or something like that in a reshoot just because it was like you know a little tease they wanted to throw at the end there. So it's like I don't think we'll see any X Men, but the idea of them teasing the Fantastic Four or the X Men at the end of Endgame is something that like I don't think is impossible. Yeah, and and I feel like coming out of Endgame whatever ends up happening that might be a catalyst to at least have the ability to include these characters like i imagine that they're going to want to use them for phase four to some extent um just because they have access to it and they want to be able to capitalize on that quick right because a lot of the times they'll have provisions where you can't use a character for a couple years but in this one there it like there isn't there there aren't any for those to my knowledge and it'll allow them to just integrate them into the uh into the mcu post endgame where they might include like not maybe I, I don't know if they'll do like a trailer or like an extra scene or something i feel like it might be a tangential message like a mention or something where it's just super like low-key that they throw in um but i i expect them to be bringing them into the mcu like into the fold pretty quick Especially when you think about how quickly they, like, like when the deal with Sony was made about Spider-Man. Right. You know, like, yeah. they immediately threw a Spider-Man movie into production. They got him in Civil War. Mm -hmm. And, like, it was off to the races. You know, so I feel like seeing a similar turnaround for either one of those properties makes sense. Yeah. So, and, and I definitely would say if it's not in this movie, it'll be at the in the next one. Yeah, I'm of the mind that we probably won't see an actual film come from the Fantastic Four characters, the X-Men characters, until maybe 2021. Um, That's pretty close. Yeah, 2020, 2021, though, I think makes sense. You, really. you, you'd have to be shooting already. Yeah, that that's 100% uh, true. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um. And and you know we 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 don't know exactly what they have planned for the next couple few years, but if Kevin Feige is to be believed, he wasn't thinking about it. 
And he built whatever the slate that's coming up is based on what he knew he had. So if that's the case, yeah, 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 of course. What I'm saying is um, that if that's the case, then how do they proceed forward? I think a tease at the end of Endgame makes a lot of sense. And I think it's important, actually, because this Endgame represents the end of a long period of movies. 22 movies. And, yeah. And and, and over 10 years of, of work. So, to give fans an idea of what's coming up next, I think, is, is incredibly important. Yeah, and I think especially, like, if our... If some of the theories, like I should, I should say, not our theories, about, like... The fact that they're going to be sunsetting a lot of characters is true. Like, it makes sense to start teasing us for what's next, you know? Especially, like, if we're losing some of the characters that have been at the forefront of this universe since the beginning. Um, it's like, teasing characters that people know and love and have been like, oh, I want to see in the MCU is, like, obviously a good tactical move for them. To be like, yeah, like... Iron Man and Captain America are going away, but now the X Men exactly. are here. You know, like where's Hugh that... Jackman? <laughs> um, he's too old. <laughs> they gotta bring him back, man. That would be a cool like. No, you need. We need to let Hugh Jackman rest, you guys. He's, he's... in his fifties. He's tired of working out six hours a day. He can't do it anymore. Let he's... him go back to making musicals. He said he would do it if it meant getting to be a, among the Avengers. That was always his. Yeah, that was always his his thing. Um, Caveat. Yeah, and so I gotta, I gotta believe he'd come back and do one a one shot. Yeah, even just one, and that's the think. Let me just point this out. If you want to talk about a, a cameo, he's probably the only person who you could get that could cameo at the end of Endgame oh that would matter. That is that you wouldn't have to cast someone new for. Yeah, you could go out and find a Fantastic Four cast. That's hard to do with this little lead in time. We all already know Hugh Jackman. Yeah. He is the representative of the Fox universe. Just to. Uh, push back on that. The fact that they're not re- rebooting Deadpool means Deadpool would also work. I would really hope it's not Deadpool. Um, but what else they could do is they could do what they did with Thanos um, way, way back at the end of Avengers and like have a CG character and not have like a voiced part because that wasn't, you know, that wasn't Josh Brolin. Um,. So that's something else. Theoretically, the problem, of course, is that most of the characters that they would show that would matter are, you know, they look human. So you would need Galactus. Well, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you could tease Galactus or the Silver Surfer or Doctor Doom or, you know. Name three more. Yep. Do it. Nightcrawler, Beast, uh, Mystique. Any of those characters would immediately like no yeah those were weak the last three were weak bad no they're not they're, no, they're all they they're bad. all characters listen, that are immediately listen, they're, they're pretty weak that come on bad. man <laughs> whatever my point is that they're characters that would make sense as being predominantly CG and are immediately identifiable as X-Men Nightcrawler well, I mean still, still bad 
at, at, at any rate, I think I, I just feel uh, to me personally that unless that villain that you're showcasing is going to be the tentpole villain for the next, you know, however many movies, um, even in that case, I think it's probably best to showcase a hero. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I think I think if they're not gonna do like you know the flash of a four or an X at the end of Endgame, getting getting a hero would be the the next best uh, best way to uh, show the next age. You know. Oh, right. the age of Ultron. Let's bring it back. No, dog. They they're gonna do that <laughs> bullshit heroic age that oh, uh, onslaught oh. onslaught. Yeah. No, the heroic age. Wasn't it? Was that Bendis was, and Ramita was yeah. on Avengers? Uh, what's yeah, that? yeah, that was after. What, what Siege. Is, That's right. What was it, what was it called when uh, Onslaught wiped out half the Marvel books? The oh god, that was um. You're talking about when they came. Yeah, back. They, they had like a pocket universe they were in or some shit. Yes. Oh, 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 with the weird, the weird Rob Liefeld yes. Captain America. Yes. I know what you're talking about. That, I, oh, oh my god, I thought yes. I thought that was called the Heroic Age, but it's something no, like no, no. that. No, yeah, the Heroic Age was way later. I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, I've actually never read anything. Oh, it's from bad, that period, my friend. I think my life is better for it. Yeah, I've, I've I've heard. Um, so what do you guys think that they lead with? What do you guys think that they not forget about a teaser in Endgame, but just in general of the of the characters they'll now have? What do you guys think that they lead lead? I think with? they introduce a new villain. Like they they need to come in with some heat and a villain that like a Doom or a maybe Galactus even like they, they, they need a force since they're already in the cosmic realm. They need a force that can maybe potentially match the the, the powers that they do have right now. We have Captain Marvel. Now we we've had Thor, we, you know, they're already entering the realm of this larger narrative. So maybe like a Galactus could come in. Like I, I don't not see that happening in the space that they're already at. And it'd be a way to introduce the fantastic four after that. I, I suspect the villain first, followed by the heroes there. Yeah, I have a really hard time thinking that they're not going to leverage like Doctor Doom or Galactus as the next big bad in the Marvel Universe. Like, even if one of them is introduced in a like solo film, like I could see like the first Fantastic Four movie being like Silver Surfer shows up and, you know, Herald of Galactus and we gotta scramble the avengers you know like i could see that being a setup um the x-men i feel like make more sense to introduce like in a more uh in a similar way that they did that they did with homecoming where like you could have um yeah like more like street level like more like focus on the x-men and like what you know, like, let's introduce Xavier's school and who are the X-Men in the MCU and, like, sounds like who's the new Wolverine. Sounds like first class, but not as good. Okay. Um, he's already prejudging a movie that doesn't even exist. Because I hope it's your favorite fucking movie because of Because of Homecoming. Okay. Uh, so, I think doing something like that with the X-Men makes more sense because it does have a lot more to explain 
really mm-hmm. like there's kind of it's 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 its own whole world yeah. kind of and you could establish magneto you know like there are so many things you could set up that would make sense for like later oh you know events in the mcu what if they tie captain america in with like magneto like as like having been saved from one of the camps that got liberated all that kind of jazz like that'd be a way to tie in universes from could totally make sense right from like the homie you know they're gonna do that shit damn son marvel all right it's not gonna be michael fassbender um, though <laughs> and they could do that thing. <laughs> they could do that thing that they did in X Men Evolution, where Cap and Wolverine were friends from the war too. That would be cool. That's oh, yeah. also from the comics, and not just from X Men Evolution. But well, that's where I remember it from. So, <laughs> um, what was that Bendis thing called? The the, uh-huh. the one his heroes uh, book arc. Oh yeah, the, hero- the heroic age. Heroic age. I, I looked it up. The onslaught one is Heroes Reborn. So. Okay, I just I need I know there was probably someone listening at home that was like screaming at their podcast being like Heroes Reborn. Heroes Reborn, you stupid fucks. So I had to really air that. Murphy Murphy was snidely tweeting (laughs) us as we speak. (laughs) He already did it. It's too late. (laughs) Um as as for what Fox thing Marvel leads with, I think it makes a lot of sense to do something with the Silver Surfer because if they're gonna do stuff with the Eternals and uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy three, which is back on the docket, uh, having the Silver Surfer, I think, makes a ton of sense to bridge that. Or or Galactus too, just like they're obviously those two are tied together. Yeah, because I feel like you can't really introduce the Surfer without introducing Galactus. You can introduce the Silver Surfer first. Galactus comes later. But like. <laughs> Well, it's a it's a real chicken or the egg scenario, you know. No, no. <laughs> what I what I mean is like, yeah, you can introduce him in a movie before Galactus shows up, but like the first time you introduce him, he has to yeah, be the yeah, herald yeah. of, Galact- gotcha, of gotcha. Galactus. So he has to be showing up and be like, "Yo, Galactus is coming, motherfuckers!" Like that's what he has to do in his first appearance. So like, chicken or egg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think um, when it comes to what franchise or whatever they should lead with or li- will lead with, I think Fantastic Four probably seems to fit in more with what it seems like the plan is going forward, which is cosmic stuff. Um, but when you talk about the big bad, and that's something that people have been talking about a lot this week, uh, we actually um, got into that conversation a little bit on social media. Um I don't think that it will be Galactus or Nihilus. Uh, I actually lean more towards Kang. Yeah, that that's a big event. Well, it depends what they do with the Avengers, but yeah, yeah. Kang. Ah, oh. Kang the Conqueror. Kale. He's like a. Okay, Pete, you got what? this. I was gonna say describe Kang, but Pete, you got this. Yeah, I was just gonna like give Mark of the Reader's Digest version, where it's like the Phil's you know, notes, basically. Yeah, like, he's this, like, crazy time-traveling warlord who, like, comes back in time to, like, kill the Avengers. Oh, that's cool. Man. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it makes sense, right? Like, it's an easy step forward, for sure. It, he, um, he was, like, he was probably notably, like, the first major antagonist of the Avengers from the 60s. 
Uh, who's like just an yeah, Avengers yeah, yeah, villain exactly. too. Like not like some other Magneto or Doctor yeah. Doom. Yeah, or like what they did with Loki, right? Where it's like in the MCU, I mean, um, where it's like, oh, he was introduced and we elevated him to group bad guy. Yeah, I feel like Kang could suit the the purposes pretty well, but I, I don't think Galactus is the bad choice either. The only character who, like, people. I think people overstate a little bit Doctor Doom. Um, I think he can be the the big bad in certain circumstances, but he normally gets his his um, his moment in the sun by stealing it from someone else. You know, so like in the end, he'll get his. Well, well, his what, due. what if what if that's I, what if that's the bridge? He steals the he, he steals the sunlight from Thanos, so to speak. That's your intro. But literally, tell me how that like. Yeah, that doesn't. Make I don't sense. fucking know. He takes it a fucking Infinity <laughs> Stone at the end of the fucking. He's not gonna be in the movie. Post credits. I don't fucking know. Oh, in the post credits. All right. Oh. I don't know. I don't think so. I I, I, I see what you're saying, Sean. I feel like. <laughs> hey, hey, Phil. He's not gonna be in the movie. We just had a whole conversation about what post credits are. But forget it. Hey, Phil. He's not going to be in the movie. Go to hell. <laughs> My favorite thing is when, like, there's no chance that Pete and Phil will, will agree on something. Like, when it just gets to that point where they're just not going to agree anymore It's on the funny, episode. though, because we were coming at you guys red hot at the beginning of this conversation. <laughs> it's, it's over for that. You and you've you've stepped on Pete's toes too many times. He will no longer agree with you. <laughs> Oh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to push back a little bit on the Kang thing because I, I have, I have a sure. feeling he's going to wind up being an Ultron type villain, where he'll be like a uh, movie two antagonist, or like uh, uh, what's his name, Baron Zemo from uh, uh, Civil or Winter Soldier. He, he's going to be like, was it Civil War? Okay, yeah. Uh, he'll be like a major antagonist for a single Avengers movie or something. Well, the only reason why I suggest that about Kang is because he's generally regarded as the greatest Avengers villain, and he's a time traveler. So, they've already introduced the quantum realm. That's a very easy way to explain how he time travels. He's known to come back over and over and over again. So, he's he could die, and then they could explain that he comes back. There's There's... A million ways you can he's go. The ultimate com- he's the ultimate comeback story like Kim Kardashian. Not sure how you got to that uh, to that comparison. But, uh, wow. I- Damn, Phil. <laughs> it's a Parks and Rec reference that doesn't deserve uh, the time of day. Yeah. Um, the... The popular theory for the Fantastic Four is that uh, they're going to get lost in time and they're going to start out in the 60s and and come back. So that would uh, sort of bridge that that gap as well. Going back to the 90s, doing a Um, is they is they come back in the present day, and that's why they weren't around for Thanos. And I think with the Fantastic Four, especially, you know, the quantum realm in my mind, has taken the place of the negative zone. 
And if that's the case, then you could easily say they journeyed into the quantum realm, got stuck, figured a way out, maybe as a result of what happened in Endgame. And at the end of Endgame, they're around. I, I see that. Oh, and that's and so. that's how uh, uh, fuck uh, Michelle Pfeiffer knows them. Right, she met them there somehow or something stupid yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sue, you Sue, you don't look like you've aged a day. Oh yeah, that's right. They're gonna have to be not old. Damn, young or Michelle in, Pfeiffer would have yeah. made a hell of a uh, uh, Mrs. Richards. Anyone. Storm. Anyone, yeah, I would take I would take a full Hell Marvel yeah. universe of just Michelle Pfeiffer. There's precedent. I mean, you've got Naughty Professor. You've got, she could play Pepper Potts. She could play the the Captain America from the future. She could play Spider Man's daughter. Like, there's endless characters she could just be. Listen, she could she could play fucking yeah. Iron Man. She, yeah, I mean, the, she could play She Hulk. Um, there was a there. Jane, I know. I'm not Jane talking about Foster became I'm Thor. Talk, I'm not talking about just the women characters. I'm saying put Michelle Pfeiffer in every single role. Right. Make her Thanos. Okay. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm here Dick for it. Fury. How do I? How do I get a? How do I get a ticket to that universe? That's the one I want to live in. Can we get brought back to the Comics Palace universe? Because this show got derailed. Oh, Fair so, enough. I'm still laughing for when Phil brought up the nutty. <laughs> <laughs> Sean goes, Sean goes, there's a precedent, and Phil just says, yeah, the nutty professor. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, I think I think we've reached the point of no return as far as our ability to, to keep this train on the track. So this is where we will end the show. Um, there's obviously a lot... A lot to be said about the merger between Disney and Fox, and we've said it all. So um, we're gonna we're gonna close things down. Um, if you want to let us know your thoughts on the merger and what characters you would like to see Disney lead with from the Fox universe, there are plenty of ways you can get us. Phyllis, um, shut your whore we mouth. Are all right, at the Comics Piles, wherever your social media is sold. Go ahead and leave us a review on your podcast hosting platform of choice. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Last but not least, you can hit us up on YouTube where you can leave this video a like, a comment, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. Uh, Don't forget about our book clubs coming up this week. You can check out our Shazam book club that drops on Friday. Um, And that's it. That's all we got. Uh, Let's do some plugs. Pete. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Comic Spouse. Uh, if you want to connect with me, hit me up <clears throat> on social media at loud underscore Pete and uh, talk to me about which characters you'd like to see M- Michelle Pfeiffer play yes. in her own nutty professor spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I want to talk about this week. Uh, <laughs> if you want to uh, get some more content from me, you can catch me over on our sister show, The Video Game Pals. Uh, this is episode 99, the last episode before our uh, episode 100 finale, before we take the show on a bit of an indefinite hiatus. So episode 99 is a doozy. We got a uh, Nintendo direct there was gdc there's a ton of news it's going to be a a big old meatball of an episode so make sure you check that one out 
And uh, if you want to get some uh, some more of me, you can catch my, some of my work over at LootPots.com where I do uh, Nintendo stuff. So uh, go check that stuff out. But mostly come talk to me about the Nutty Professor. <laughs> All right, Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find all of my work at KaleAward.com. And I also uh, have recently started a podcast with my My wife. wife. My wife. (laughs) You might remember her from our recent Captain Marvel uh, review. Uh, She uh, very uh, graciously stepped in and uh, gave us a, a... uh, great material for that uh so the podcast is called uh, gone global uh it's a podcast where uh because she and i are are from two uh pretty different cultures we we often have a lot of conversations where where we go uh oh wait you don't know about that um and so this is a podcast about those little things we just talk about uh you know the things that uh, you don't normally hear about. So uh, our first episode was about uh, Barney and Friends, and she she covers a show called uh, The Queen's Nose, um, which uh, I never heard of. Um, my my so, favorite part about that is when you first shared it with us, I listened to like, like I had read the title, and I figured that it was going to be like, oh, Kale's talking about Barney, and she's talking about something about The Queen's Nose. You know, like... I was like, oh, it's yeah. a, oh, no, it's a that's, show. Oh. That's what I. <laughs> no, that's that's what I thought too. I thought she was going to start talking about Liz's uh, schnoz. Um, Damn. I for real, I cannot wait for you guys to get to the music episode because um, she talks about Billy Piper, and it's the it's the greatest song you will ever hear. Um, but you can find that show on SoundCloud. We're working on getting getting it on iTunes, um, so it should be up here uh, very soon. You can find it at Gone Global Pod on uh, Twitter, I believe Instagram. It's got an email address, but uh, for now, the show is called Gone Global. Awesome, uh, Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. And then I just wanted to send a congratulations to Garrison Dominguez. Uh, his Kickstarter has been fully funded and it still has 15 days to go. Uh, the story is Wages of Crime. It looks really, really cool. I played it, I think, a couple weeks back as well when it first launched. Um, so definitely go check it out. It uh, has a lot of cool action and uh, the story seems really interesting. That ends April 7th. Phil. Make sure you check out The Nutty Professor and uh, any of the sequels to that movie. Um, obviously check out all of our book clubs that have come out, uh, in two weeks, WrestleMania 35 will be coming out, uh, and we're going to review that along with NXT TakeOver New York, so you can check that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, don't message me about the Disney-Fox merger. I really don't feel like talking about it. I was already not looking forward to talking about it for an hour on this show, so... Pass. Boo-hoo. Wah. I have to talk about a merger. <laughs> I can't escape the shit from my what daily a life. baby. Your daily life. Oh, please. Uh, as for me, uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about um, how cool it's going to be to see all these characters together. And, uh, go ahead, what Phil. What if at the post credit scene, 
we see Eddie Murphy as the nutty professor. No, no way, Phil. He's not going to be in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. He's he's just in his mama club going, Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. (laughs) 